random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Steve Loader, executive producer of Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And this is Rodney Clowden, supervising producer on Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the Zoom and strand, I know, we finally upgraded to 2022, ladies and gentlemen. It's fantastic. We are joined with Stephen Lauder and Rodney Clowden of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is going to be premiering very soon. What date, gentlemen? It is February 10th on Disney Channel and shortly thereafter on Disney+. Plus. Very cool. So first off, gentlemen, congratulations on the show. And I guess we can kind of say it like this, you know, the whole uh, the spoiler lift thing kind of with this. But I saw the first episode in my opinion. I love the hell out of it. So great job, guys. Like, really. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. that. And Eddie has not seen it, but it's one of those like after I saw it, I was gushing to him afterwards. I'm like, you really got to watch this. You really got to watch this. So you'll love it, Eddie. I promise. Yeah. What are you waiting for, Eddie? <laughs> so for uh, myself and i told you guys off mic right before we started recording the biggest compliment i can give this is it's spider-verse good that yeah. is that's a massive compliment um because that was something that was very much on our minds as we started to develop the show spider-verse came out and spider-verse it changed the playing field i mean easily the best animated superhero film ever created so it definitely put us in a in a very certain mindset where we said, okay, well, we can't top this or even want to try to top this, but we would love to do something that feels complementary to this. And it, it allowed it it kind of opened up the doors and then like allowed for that creativity, visual creativity. And uh yeah, it's like, yeah, how do we how do we do that? How do we make our mark doing something as good as that, but on a TV budget? So guys, you're trying to say that since Spider-Verse came out is really where the genesis of this idea has began. It's taking, I don't know, at least a couple of years to get to where we are now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we've been working on this for a while. And actually, kind of the, the direction of this show was something that I was even working at even prior to Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur on a different project I was working on for Disney, which was set in New York City and had a very strong music vibe. So so kind of the, the genesis of this show for, for me has been kind of existing for a number of years, actually. Now, in regards to the characters themselves, first off, what led to you guys picking these characters? Because in a lot of ways, they are like some of the most obscure yet most fun characters to utilize. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, really, it all starts with Lawrence Fishburne in a, in a comic book store. I mean, it, I, I, I'm so happy to report that he's a huge comic book fan and he fell in love with the comic. 
and he brought it to his producing partner Helen Sutherland at Cinema Gypsy, and they they they're the produce the production company that made Blackish and Grownish and Mixedish. So they they know what they're doing, and so and they calls were made uh, to Marvel and to Disney, and everyone put their heads together and said this this kind of makes a perfect kids animated series. Um, and we just kind of went from there. So it just kind of, the the greatness of the comic kind of opened the door for the possibility of animation. Now, in regards to shows such as this, it feels like a very easy entryway for these characters. And what do you feel is the cause of that? Like, what do you feel helps make that happen? Uh, like for accessibility for the uh, a newcomer? For a newcomer, well, just uh I think that the visuals really pull you in. Uh, it has a, a, a definitely a visual language and style that is unique to TV animation and just even uh, the music itself too. It's very different than what you expect from, from Disney, Disney animation in general. And, you know, we just really wanted to have something that, that stood out and, you know, put, put our flag in the sand and say, this is Moon Girl, check it out. And you know we wanted to represent New York in the best possible light, and and uh, and really just blow the the doors off with just a visual style and visual language. Yeah, and I think that all of that completely is is part of the DNA of the show, and I think that we we paid really close attention to the writing so mm -hmm. that thematically it was relatable. So each episode for Lunella Lafayette as a 13 year old kind of living life and going through life as we all do, the theme of the episode is an emotion that we all feel. This episode's about jealousy, this episode's about impatience. So there's something really relatable to the character and the journey they're going through because it feels like the, the mission statement initially was, it's about Lunella Lafayette who happens to be a superhero was kind of our our thinking from the top. Now, in regards to this show, it's a part of the Marvel Universe, and that means the Marvel Universe is massive. There's thousands upon thousands of characters. Where are the other Marvel characters going to lie in all of this? Oh, they're, they're, they're around. They're around. <laughs> I mean, because here's the thing. Yeah. So, so just tracing back, because both Rodney and I are huge Marvel fans. I mean, my dad got Amazing Spider-Man from issue number four, like, you know, on the stands on. So we had full collection of Amazing Spider-Man in the house. And certainly when I was old enough and I, I, I was immediately blown away by uh, Claremont and Burns' X-Men run. Um, and they were, they were kind of pricey because I, I kind of got into it around, let's see, 104, 105. So I had to backtrack a little bit and I had to get like a summer job to pay for a really dog worn issue of, of 101, the Phoenix issue. So, so it's, so that, so Marvel has been in the house <laughs> for a long time for me personally. And so with this opportunity, it was one of those things where, yeah, we can actually look at some of these characters and villains that haven't been in the MCU or maybe not on the MCU radar and kind of do something with them because it's exciting because they're they're kind of in the back pages of the comic. They're kind of the forgotten characters, but we have the ability to kind of bring them into the show, modernize them to, you know, to a 2022 setting, whereas maybe they were a character from 1974. <laughs> Um, and then even apply thematically what the story is, maybe tweak their their origin or their personality a little bit to kind of fit the show better. But having such a wealth 
of history of characters from Marvel, the possibilities were, were endless. Yeah, you have a very rich legacy of, of characters that aren't used anymore or just obscure and that you can pull from and 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 bring to an audience that's never seen or even never even heard of these characters and then just put our spin on it. Well, I got to say, when you guys said, uh, Steve, I think notably the, the Burn Claremont <laughs> X-Men run, and and obscure. I went to okay, Colossus, Proletariat. If I got it right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it crazy. I mean, like I remember, like those the, the back issues, like worn issues of those were like ten, twenty dollars. And in nineteen eighty five, six, maybe somewhere in that zone, maybe um, those those that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Twenty dollars. For kid, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and there was no graphic novels then. You had no. to get single issues. Yeah, I hear you there because I think I was trying to. I I first discovered X Men at one fourteen, and then I, you know, of course, one hundred one has eluded me. Ninety four, of course, but the others, you know, they were hovering around ten dollars, and I'm like wincing at that. So yeah, but you still don't have one hundred one. Correct. Eh, maybe Santa will figure something out oh, this year. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, it's February. <laughs> Santa Claus totally did a few months ago. <laughs> An update from our humble narrator. No. He did not. No, Peter loves Eddie, but he does not love him enough to buy a $200 plus comic book. Now back to the episode. But anyway, in regards to uh, the art style of the show, the art style is very, like, for, like vibrant and lively. And what are some of, like, the comics that, you know, are utilized as the influence for you guys? Yeah, well, you know, you think of, like you said, I wanted to really represent New York and... And and you've seen a lot of shows that New York is is kind of slick and 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 we just wanted to show that that texture and graphicness of New York that New York has that that edge, and a lot of the the reference really was just like from New York street art like Andy Warhol, Basquiat, Herring, uh, the screen printing, and the graffiti, and uh, even like going to like Jack Kirby of course and 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 Walt Perigoy and. Uh, who was the other guy that, you, that we had that was the comic artist? Well, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's funny because this this is an obscure, maybe an obscure comic mm -hmm. artist, but Mark Hempel mm -hmm. uh, did this Tug and Buster series, I think for Dark Horse way, way back. Um, I always loved his inking style. And so when we were looking at the characters, we said, all right, we got to do something that feels uh, unique, different than Spider-Verse. Because it it feels like we need to do something that feels like it was drawn by hand, pen and ink. So really strong kind of black and white graphics with the spotted blacks and the heavy inks. And I always remembered Mark Hempel's work because I, I did a pilot, a Tug and Buster pilot for uh, HBO way back. Yeah. And and so I always kept kind of going back to that that artist. And I thought this guy is really, really amazing. And I think that was a, a key inspiration. But honestly, the where it all kind of gelled is our character designer, uh, Jose Lopez, um, is a brilliant, brilliant artist on his own. And when I met him and uh, and I kind of showed him some of the examples of stuff, he already had a very interesting and established style. And the first couple of drawings he did were fantastic. And then he would kind of go back in and tighten up the drawings and clean it up. 
And it would always be, I'd always go back to those roughs. And I said, man, the roughs had this, this life to it. And it had this kind of loose feeling. Like there was some expressions from Lunella, which were almost Charles Schultz graphic in the way it had like the big, the big mouth, like the ah kind of mouth thing going. And I thought, oh man, this is, I haven't seen this applied to like a Marvel superhero show. So I think that it was kind of the combination of everything that Rodney mentioned and all of these kind of things that kind of, I think is what makes it unique is because it's, there's not one specific influence. It feels like everything is just kind of thrown together. Yeah. And you can just really see that. And you talk of the style, the graphicness of the characters, but then you have the backgrounds, which have texture and, and different uh, feels to it. And it, they, they're not competing with each other. They're just complementary. And then when you have the, those moments where you call the mixtape moments, where uh, uh, Moon Girl is fighting a villain, uh, it's a whole. We play around with different styles, different different kinds of styles. So you'll see in uh, in future episodes that there'll be like all different variety of of styles of animation and and uh, colors that would you. It's just gonna blow your mind. This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to Patreon.com/slash/TheMarvelists. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And... Two, you haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. The show felt like a musical in a lot of ways, like in certain parts. I'm watching, I'm like, wait, are are we going for something here? And I'm like, I like, I love the again uniqueness it's something i haven't seen in the marvel universe and there's just something magical about it yeah that's uh, i mean besides a comics fan i am a music nerd so if i wasn't spending money on comics i was spending it on records uh and because of that i feel like a lot of the projects that i've worked on have had a strong musical element like uh, I, I'm also the executive producer of The Ghost and Molly McGee, which is another show on uh, Disney Channel, Disney Plus, and that I applied a strong song music element to that, which didn't exist in the, in the in the earlier pilots. So for this, it felt like New York to me is a very musical place. I was both Rodney and I were born and raised in New York. And if you think about New York, you think about the plastic tub drummer, you know, on that street corner. You think about the violin player on. And that street corner. The guy holding the boom box and the, the, the stoop or something, right? you know, walking around. That music's bleeding in. Yeah. So it just felt like there's not one definable sound of New York City. So we tried to find something that felt very rhythmic, sounded very, very much of New York City. And then again, thinking about how to combine all these things, I'm a huge fan of Raphael Sadiq. Uh, Rafael Sadiq um, is known, he was um, one of the members of the band Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, he is uh, a, a very in-demand producer and writer. He's been nominated for Academy Awards. I mean, he's, he's an amazing talent. And uh, let me tell you a quick story about how, how we were able to get him onto the show. 
So, you know, when you're interested in someone, you know, you go to Disney, you know, management, the music department and say, all right, well, I'd like to, you know, talk to this person maybe to possibly take on the show. And it'll always be like, well, you know, he's a touring musician. He's in demand. He's producing the John Legend album right now. I don't know. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, you know, being being, you know, wanting to make sure you want the best for your show. I said, all right, I got to take matters into my own hands. And he had a record that was just coming out at that time, Jimmy Lee, and he was doing a signing at Amoeba Records in Hollywood. So I made sure I was first in line. I had my record there. And as he was signing my record, I pitched him the show within the 30 seconds it took to sign the record. And he loved it. And by the time he was done signing the record, he signed on to the show. So it was one of those moments where, you know, I, I, I say, you know, we always hear the don't meet your heroes kind of mantra. And yeah, maybe that's true. But sometimes when you do, they get to do music on your show. So I can't say that, you know, it's not not bad advice. But was it yeah. finalized? Was it finalized by the time he blew on the a little marker, you know, the Sharpie to dry it off? <laughs> Pretty <of> it? much. <laughs> it's so funny because I have pictures of us shaking hands, like agreeing to it. I said, wow, is this legally binding? Anything, <laughs> anything went wrong? I think, did uh, you spit in the hand before you? you yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Really, really that's more legally hand. binding. But uh, Rafael Siddiq, he brings something to the table that is absolutely unique. You can throw anything at him, any musical style, and he will find a, a, a fascinating and unique way into it. The The main title, for instance, the Moon Girl Magic main title, for main title, for any show, you usually do a hundred demos because it's such a key thing. It's such an important marketing element. It's it's pretty much everyone's entry into the show. If it doesn't grab people, then they may not stick around for the rest of the episode. So you, you kind of really stack the deck and you do as many demos as you can to find the perfect song. Raphael Sadiq did it one try, one try. And it was, no one had ever seen that before. And it's it's also just in terms of just how he's also the music supervisor of 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 our show and and he just brings a certain quality and sophisticatedness that you don't get to hear for a, an animated show for children and yeah and he he's incredible it's like that's talk about those mixtape moments yeah like Steve said you throw different styles like can we have something with uh, Jewish klezmer music in something you like okay, I'll do it. And he uh, busts out and you're like, wow, that's incredible. So, and he scores the whole, the whole episode also. So, and it's, just, it just feels really different. And, and I, for me, I think of cartoons like Fat Albert, where they had this certain musicality to it that was real sophisticated, jazzy and, and R&B and funk to it. That was like, this is a kid's cartoon, but they respect the audience enough to do something different and sophisticated because I remember my, my, my kid was like like my kid is nine and you know he's he has kind of a sophisticated eye that I discovered when he's like watching a show and he's like he figured out the plot this is what's going to happen you know so the kids know what they're watching you know and, and we we take consideration also in that with the writing like we really figure out the arcs and the meaning of certain things and then we talk about the messaging messaging in our shows and we really want to entertain everybody as well as educate but also not talk down to our audience 
Yeah, he reads the scripts and he does the song. He caters the song, kind of the thematic elements of the of the episode. And one quick, one really short, quick thing I'll tell you. And it, this is this is actually not in season one. It's upcoming. But I once through kind of uh, notion. I need a Sergio Leone type of song, but not doing Ennio Morricone. <laughs> and he did it. <laughs> so you'll see that coming up. But yeah, he's he's not amazing. And it's kind of cool because like when you think about it, like you mentioned the whole style of music in the show, so many different kinds. It's kind of like, you know, you take a show and it can be a tastemaker for these kids because as a result, they see that and they're like, I like that. I want to discover more like that. When I was a kid watching The Simpsons, like I have a massive film palette in regards to classic film because of all of the references and the homages and even with music and things like that. So as a result, I have that to thank. And I imagine there's going to be a whole generation of kids watching this show afterwards that get affected by the music that you guys are going to feature. Absolutely. And honestly, that was kind of Rafael Sadiq's one of the important points for him to want to take the gig is that that meant a lot to him. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. That that's very important. So now before we wrap this episode up, one of the things about this show that I really appreciated was the voice of Devil Dinosaur. And we had spoken at uh, New York Comic Con with the voice actor, and he had told us like how it was done. What were some of the early versions of the voice that you guys got to hear? Because Eddie hasn't heard it, and I wish he did, because it I can't even describe it. Well, it's interesting because in the animation industry, there's there's a number of actors specifically that they... If you need an animal sound, you, you go to one of these performers because they specialize in that craft, because it is a craft. And when we were recommended to Fred, we didn't look at anyone else. So Fred came in and he looked at designs and looked at the intention and then threw a couple of versions of the voice our way. And to be honest with you, they all kind of worked. What really kind of makes that character really kind of shine and sing is the fact that Fred insisted on the scripts having Devil's dialogue written out. Normally you'd have in a script, okay, and Dinosaur goes rah, 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 and that's, and that's it. That's all you got to do is just give me some raw sounds. But he wanted to know exactly what Devil's saying so that he can really apply some emotion to it. And though you can't make out English or words that, that you'll recognize, it has a certain kind of peaks and valley to the voice where you, you understand intentionality. And when I hear the voice as well, like it's got like a sense of playful whimsy to it. And it's the, the fact I'm using those words to describe what he's doing. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. Like you hear that, you hear that emotion out of what he does. And again, I can't even replicate that. So <laughs> When you hear it, when the show drops. Yeah, yeah. it's, 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 you know, cause you think of a dinosaur, it's devil dinosaur as his name. You want to be it's scary and it's fierce. And he has that quality in terms of fighting crime, but you know, he's also in a way he's very gentle. He has lots of layers. And I think that that's what Fred brings to the voice and, and, and the character of devil. And, and the audience will see that, you know, that he's not just a one dimensional uh character yeah and i was gonna say like you guys said it sounds like it's an inflection thing it's a it's a tone or a tonality or a tony 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 that's a good way to wrap it all around that's pretty I, i'm, I'm yeah, very that, was, that was that was great 
And the other thing, too, I was going to mention is uh, Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur. I'm running the themes in my head back and forth. And I said, wait, from the run on the comics, he had Devil Dinosaur had a, a partner. But I think it was, was it Moon Boy? Yes, you know? but Moon in Boy, the yeah. comics, Eddie, yeah. the new ones, Moon Girl. Y- yes, yes, <laughs> I got that. And I was trying to think of what he looked like also. And that was his character name there. But yeah. So now, gentlemen, thank you both for your time speaking with us today. Thank you. This was great. Yeah, Yeah. thanks for having us. And before we go, how can people get a hold of you both on social media? And again, to remind the audience at home, when is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur premiering on the Disney Channel? Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is premiering February 10th on Disney Channel and shortly, very shortly thereafter on Disney+. Plus. Um, so yeah, so you can, uh, so Steve Loder, you can kind of find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Steve Loder on both of those handles. And I'm just on Instagram. <laughs> so like, go, go Rodzilla. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you both for your time. Thank, thank you. you. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Steve Loder. I'm Rodney Clouden. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior.